we are back. We are back. Welcome to Match Point Number Nine, a tennis bets podcast. I am one of three hosts here. David EJ Berger is my name. You can find our show handle at MP9 Tennis. Uh, with me, as always, is my number one tennis talking bro, Derek. Derek, hello. What's up, everybody? It's been a couple of weeks since we've been doing this, but I'm stoked to be back. Let's do this. We are back and uh, back with us again. Tennis betting extraordinaire John Reed at JR Tweets Tennis. You can find this guy wherever you uh, find content to, to bet on tennis. His own brand at Tidbits Tennis, Action Network, Betting Expert, Hammer HQ. If you bet on tennis, you know this guy. John, thank you once again for joining us. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, uh, guys. Well, we were off for a week and I don't want to waste too much time, uh, but this is a, a gambling podcast. So I, I do want to atone for our sins uh, from the last time out. Uh, and our only big loss that we really need to atone for is picking uh chorich over Shapo in tokyo and we, we spent a lot of time on why why that was going to go the way that it did not so um that was uh, egg on our face there but we did have foe in the final there and we had Tsitsipas and djokovic in the astana final with djokovic winning and uh, if you followed that you had a couple of steph wins at pick prices if you tailed so um good on us not maybe not the boldest call picking djokovic to win it all but uh we still had it last week it did suck because I feel like if we were on the mic, we would have had some hot Rendrick next talk uh, versus Busta. Mm-hmm. We missed on that. That would have been a good feather in the cap of the podcast. Uh, but uh, we move on. We move on. It's a new week. And we have three sites that are providing a lot of uh, entertainment in uh, different ways, uh, sometimes on the court. Uh- <laughs> sometimes uh technically on the court but uh, with the court not in play because it's unsuitable to play on so a lot to dig into here anyone have any quick thoughts here uh, on the week so far just uh, opening the, the the floor before we dig in it's been pretty sweet actually i mean last week we had a couple 250s and then this week we have like two and a half 250s um a lot is jam-packed in this uh this naples tournament that's seemingly always playing catch up whether that's a, a court issue or just trying to squeeze a bunch of people into the to the day for missed time so i'm pretty stoked on this like jam-packed format to be honest yeah it is pretty sweet to have uh three sites going uh normally it's a little exhausting but i don't know this week it's hitting a little different it's nice to have all the action uh well let's kick it off with atp stockholm this is a long-standing indoor hardcore event quicker courts uh in theory john what do you think about how the speed is, has been so far in stockholm i think stock yeah stockholm is generally in that medium faster antwerp is like We'll get to that in a sec, but that's like historically one of the quickest uh, events on tour. I remember a few years back, Pavel Anhar won a match and almost beat Grigor Dimitrov. And it was like, it just shook me to my core um, because those courts are so quick and that seems so off. But th- both those events do tend to be on the medium, fast to fast side of things. Uh, some recent winners of the Stockholm Open include Tommy Paul, who lost today to uh, Michael Emer doing it for the homeland. Uh, this is where Shapo won his only title in 2019. They didn't have the 2020 year. Uh, he also made the final last year, Shapo. He's in the field again. Sitsipas won this in 2018. Del Potro won it two times before that. Big headline so far, uh, as we've been talking in our chat, uh, it's Emer week a little bit. Uh, the hometown boys have been doing it. Uh, Elias picks up a nice dog win uh, versus Atta. I, I proudly announced that it was actually Elias Emer day. We were we were going to bet on Elias Emer the one day of the year that we can confidently do so. He cashes as a plus 135 dog versus Atta. And then he just cashed for me uh set one money line at plus 250 against Foe, which is pretty sweet. And then he was up two breaks and, and blew that uh, and lost the match outright. But uh, 
His brother Michael Emer takes down the defending champ. Uh, the timeline was on fire with that one. Paul was uh, a hot pick out there. I like Tommy Paul in that match. Uh, it was a, a decent price, I thought, uh, but he is a bit of an unforced error guy, and Emer makes you play a lot of balls, so uh, he was he was just stinking it up out there. He's stinking it up all week. I mean, John, you had a back and forth with Sneeze about the amount of games Leo Borg would win against Paul, and he won quite a few didn't he? Yeah, that was a shocker because I mean, Leo struggles, I mean, at the lower levels to win six, seven games in a match. Obviously, I think uh, the serve did play, you know, on the quicker courts kind of helps you find some free points. And, you know, if you can find two or three in, in a service game uh, for free, then it makes it a lot easier to, to find that service hold than on some of the challengers on clay where his baseline game was just exposed. And obviously he has actually improved from the sp- since the spring and yeah, the whole I think the home crowd as well spurs him on. You know, like Bjorn Borg's a, a legend in uh, in Sweden. So obviously, his kid, no matter how crappy he is at the sport, is going to find uh, some huge support. Yeah, good crowd watching here in Stockholm. Uh, good cr- crowd watching. Uh, actually, all three of the the sides. I think that's part of the energy of the week as well. Really nice sweaters uh, in Stockholm. Um, Emer is looking to uh, be the first Swedish titleist since 2004. So he's still in the field. Michael Emer, that is. And uh, yeah, I believe uh, Washington was kind of a turning point for him. I remember seeing him in press saying that he decided to be a bit more attacking, uh, more aggressive. I think that uh, he's been riding that style all fall. All right, guys, let's dig into this draw here. And uh, I guess we'll we'll kick it off with someone who we've already mentioned. uh, And that's uh, Dennis Shapovalov versus Demonor. Demonor is a minus... 120. Now it's down to minus 115 money line favorite here. Demonor is a 3-0 winner head to head. I know Johnny don't give too much to the head to head here, but uh I, I think I think you can read a little bit of that into this one because uh Demonor is a a bit of a defensive player. He can make you play a lot of balls, and uh, that's not really Chapo's wheelhouse, uh as he tends to hit the ball, not in the court. Uh, what do you think about this matchup, John? Well, yeah, that's why I generally don't like head-to-head on its own as a handicapping metric, because if you can't explain why a head-to-head exists, the, the stat is no good to you in your handicap, right? And then if you can't explain why it's 3-0, then you don't really need the 3-0, because you know that Demon Hour's style matches up well with Chapel's style. You know what I mean? It's To me, it's just kind of redundant. Uh, and it's why I always, I'll always, you know, dump on it as a handicap, right? I just, you know, again, it, either it's it's for people who don't know how to find that kind of analysis on their own to to fall back on, or it's just totally redundant. So, um, yeah, I think it's a great matchup for Demon Hour. These guys both like quicker courts. Chapel obviously his only title came here in Stockholm a few years back. Didn't have the toughest run to win it, uh, but still, it counts that he's got a title. And Demon Hour is just someone like again, complete opposites, right? You've got the big pure power game. One's a lefty, one's a righty, one's got a terrible backhand and it's very, you know, ineffective, erratic. The other's more solid. We'll we'll see how it plays out. I I know I have a a demon hour future here to win the quarter, so I'll just be watching that and rooting that on, but uh, I do think that that Chapo obviously, I mean, the market seems to be about right here. I think you could make a case demon hour should be maybe 1 minus 125 minus 130, but just because Chapo has like the huge talent advantage even though everything else in his game is is less consistent or less reliable i do think you know you can't make him a massive underdog so so chapeau yeah obviously he's got a higher potential uh skill wise 
but it's like, when the hell do we see that? And you especially don't see it when he gets frustrated. And Alex Demonor is definitely a dude that can frustrate him just running around all over the court, snagging every single one of his balls. And like I was telling you guys, it's like, it's hilarious for me to watch Chapo when he just fist pumps at 15 love on routine points just to keep <laughs> his like head in the match. I'm like, dude, what are you doing, man? Like he needs that self-motivation to keep himself going on serve. Like it's, it's pathetic. I didn't expect Demonor to win this one just by frustrating him. And I don't know. It's it's a good matchup for Demon Or, I think. Yeah, we saw Shapo have a, a really great run, actually, uh, over in Asia. To expect him to sh- string together another solid run <laughs> two in a row, I don't know. That might be a lot for Dennis to, to handle. Yeah, I was just going to say, one of the break points today, I think if it'll probably be twi- on Twitter circulating somewhere. I mean, it was just ridiculous how Demon R found his break in the second set. I think it was the first game of the second set. First or second game, he was up too low against Wolf. It was just a crazy point. I'm watching this like, okay, well, this one, because I was on Demon Hour today as well against Wolf, and I'm like, because, again, same reasoning as Chapel already. It's just an erratic power player. He's going to have a, a fun time just bringing the airs out of. And Demon Hour is just running. He goes from one side of the baseline to to the other side and then wolf pulls like a slice or drop shot in to the opposite side of the court's service box and then demon hour gets there pushes it back wolf rips a passing shot and it's just like a pure desperation reaction volley that he lands perfectly for the break it's like that's what alex demon hour does to you like he's going to make you hit a ton of balls and even if the power guys don't commit the error, he's still going to find ways to win the point. It's It must be absolutely maddening at some points to be guys like Wolf or Chapo who really don't have the kind of point construction in them. And you kind of do need some of that to beat a guy like Demon Hour. Yeah, I'm going to be playing uh, ADM here. Holger Runa taking on Cam Nori. Now, Cam Nori, I feel, is a little short here at minus 145. I actually have a name written down, not in pencil, but in pen here. And that is Holger Garuna to move on in this match. He's only plus 120 right now out there. I, I want to see that go up a little bit higher. I think it probably won't go too much. Maybe it'll close around plus 130, uh, but I, I think Nori's going to get steamed up here and uh, I, I feel it's a, a bit of a trap line almost. The formula that uh, Rublev uh, had against Nori at the US Open in terms of just hitting more winners, uh, you, won't, you probably won't have the amount of aces uh, that Rublev brings to the table. But uh, I I think that Runa has what it takes to, to get the points to win this match here against Nori. Uh, he's been improving on indoor the last uh, few weeks. Uh, why not take a shot on a dog here? Nori also had COVID recently, so we're not totally sure on the fitness. Dude, speaking of COVID and what happened last week, or no, that was, was that two weeks ago that Fritz won Tokyo? Dude, do we trust the injury report for... Taylor Fritz at all. I, I don't I mean, trust. There was an Indian I, I, Wells where he was apparently injured. Wins the final against Rafa, who was actually the one that was injured. And then prior to Tokyo, claims to have COVID, which I'm pretty sure he had COVID. I don't know. I feel like he played that one pretty hard for gamesmanship. Oh, I mean, I don't really believe any injury reports anymore. I mean, we watched Baez get wheelchaired off last week, and then mm-hmm. he comes out and wins as a plus 270 dog against Sinego that I missed out on that I am really angry about so i'm just like if a player is out there and playing and i also didn't really want to play draper this week versus brooksby because i didn't know what kind of form he would have although he did kind of tank out in his next match um this kid is needs to hit the the gym the strength and conditioning coaches uh team needs to uh do some work on that guy but i just at this point if a guy's out there i'm i'm, I'm throwing away all injury concern i think it's thursday right where we record and so we've got thursday night football and you know you got the nfl with a very rigid you know you got to practice you got to list guys 
with their participation in practice. They got to be out doubtful. They've got such a rigid scale for their injuries on one side of the spectrum where it's super organized and definitive, or at least, even if it's not definitive, like they have to tell you questionable, right? Like doubtful. Tennis is on the other end of the spectrum, man. It is the least reliable sport when it comes to injuries. It is awful. And Rafael Nadal is the biggest offender of this. Uh, Taylor Fritz is right up there now, too. You just can't believe anything you read at this point. You've got to see, unless you see something bothering them on court the day before, and they you know, sneak out a win and you can fade them the next day, just put that stuff aside. I mean, it, it's just... Remember, there's some players, too, who have chronic pain, and it's going to affect them in every match they play for the rest of their lives, and then they go, like, you know, win 50 matches in a season. Like, uh, how bad can that chronic pain really be if you can win 50 professional match i just i i put it all to the side generally yeah rafa's had chronic pain for almost 10 years now yeah and his foot that's right yeah exactly his, i mean the guy i can't believe he still has a foot you know <laughs> <laughs> anyway back to aruna versus nori john what are your thoughts on that one i'm gonna stay away again like it goes back to that i don't know where nori really is at i mean we saw fritz win a title off covid nori didn't look all that impressive against karatsev and i think you know runa has that incredibly solid baseline game he can inject pace that you know the kind of that Karatsev does but he's more solid than the Russian Karatsev played such a messy game I don't know if Nori should be here I don't know if the quick court suit him but I also don't think I'm going to be playing Rune at like plus 125 like I think that's I'd want it up to around the 140 150 region where that talent is like okay this is getting a little bit much I, I think it's priced fine I don't think I could make Nori a dog like I don't think I could justify him not being the favorite Right. So I, to me, it seems pretty, pretty fine. Yeah. It's an interesting pricing on both ends. I think it's soft on, on both sides, uh, which makes me lean the, the dog side because I, I feel like a little trappy on the favorite side. You're going to be pressing that bet, but oh, Nori, such a good price. Let me just press, press that real quick. Uh, and then Nori goes out and loses in straights. All right. Well, let's keep it rolling here. We got Tiafo who just won versus Emil Rusevori. Rusevori absolutely dusted my boy uh, Laheshka. I kind of thought that would be coming, actually. But uh, I did see that there's a check that won here three times uh, over the years at Stockholm. So uh, a, a, a standing tradition of checks doing well in Stockholm um, that Laheshka was looking to continue and did not. Uh, Rusevori, I think, is going to lose Tiafo. I don't really have much else to say. I, I was kind of on the Rusevori train. I exited at the, at, the, at the last stop. I think I lost. I'm not sure where I lost to him recently, but. I lost with him recently, but I think he's a, you know, a promising kid. I just don't think consistency is very good. And I don't think he has a lot of variety in his game. I mean, it's like, that's why he likes the quick courts, right? Is because he can keep the point shorter. When you can keep the point shorter, you don't have to hit as many balls. You don't have to hit as many balls. You commit fewer errors. That's a recipe for success for these guys. Um, that's kind of where he made his hay on the challenger tour as well. We're on the quicker indoor courts. Uh, now this is kind of part of the season where he should do well. A lot of the top players aren't playing or they're not motivated. He's got good conditions for him. This is like a home tournament, but it's pretty damn close. Like I don't, think Finland has anything above challenger level and Sweden and Finland are neighbors. So this is like quasi almost home turf for him or as close as he's going to get. I don't mind uh, Rusuvori to potentially make a run here. I'm, I'm not going to back him. I'm not looking at, he's just not a player I, I enjoy betting on or against. And I generally don't see much value on either side in, in his matches. So I'm good just uh, sitting that out. Yeah. Rusuvori is it's just some guy that I'm just looking out for. I mean, I've watched him earlier. I've lost against betting against him earlier this year. And then after that, I was like, hey, he's kind of somebody to look out for. But like, I'm not necessarily betting on him. But I just watched that Tiapo match against Emer. And he did not play well in the first set, first one and a half sets. Uh, Emer did play pretty well 
Tiafo just turned it on. So I can't really see him losing that against Risa Bori if he can kind of keep that momentum going. Yeah. Well, Elias's uh, serve was, as John said, uh, cracking uh, in uh, the first set. Uh, he, he was in Fuego and he had the, you know, the crowd at his back. It was a, it was a good setup. This was a letdown spot for Tiafo and he battled out. And he, yeah. and he came through. So that gives me a little confidence going into this next match against a player that I think in any neutral setting, he will win. And uh, so I think, you know, I also just think, I don't know, man, I, I my opinion on Tiafo has changed. I kind of want to back him now. I don't know. Yeah. I want to thank Elias for making Tiafo plus 1000 that I was able to snag him out. I didn't win much, but uh, I did win a plus 1000 bet for the first time in a long time. Speaking of, uh, Sarundalo was plus 1500 when he was about to get served out against Husler, which John, I know that was a, was a ticket that died for you on that comeback. But if you caught Fran Sarundalo plus 1500, nice ticket. All right, so then we have Sitsipas versus uh, Michael Emer here. Emer looking to make a run in the homeland. Sitsipas is 4-0 against this guy. Kind of owns him. Now, he has uh, changed up his his game a bit, and we're not sure how much Steph cares. I'm giving Emer a shot here, but I do think uh, I, I think Sitsipas is, is going to win, and I actually have... I'm going to bet on him caring this week, and I actually have Sitsipas winning this this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I, it's not the worst look. It's a decent matchup for him. It's Mike doesn't have a whole hell of a lot of power to, to trouble him, right? Or to rush that backhand. Or that's kind of what you need to do against Sitsi Pass, especially on quicker courts. Find that, like, Max Cressy really gave him problems. If you can rush him, if you can play with pace, if you can have that big serve, the backhand has improved on return, but it's still against the biggest servers very vulnerable. Emer does not have that power. He's going to be he's going to be totally overwhelmed on the forehand wing. His serve is far more vulnerable. I think since he passed can pretty much find his break and then just cruise on serve the rest of the way uh, in this one. The number, like you look at the number though, when you're like, man, Michael Emer, I think, what is he like plus 300 area now? It's, oh wow, it really? does seem tempting. Yeah. I mean, he's plus 325. Oh, yeah, yeah. Plus 300 at cool bet. Two of my outs plus 270. I mean, there's a wide range of pricing, but it's one of those things where it's like, it looks enticing because it's a plus 325 and he's, you know, a top 30, 40 player and at home and, there's a bunch of ways to talk yourself into that, but I'll I'll end up just passing here because I think the actual head-to-head matchup and the styles really do favorite Sitsi Pass. And if he was going to tank out, it was as good a time as any to lose to Maxime Cressy. I mean, he battled through two tie breaks there. I don't think you do that if you're just got your eye on the 500 and and uh, 500 week and then Paris on the year end finals. I think he's actually here to try and build some form and and you know get some hard indoor hard matches in before the biggest events uh, in the coming weeks. And it's set up for him. Is playing a guy that he's beaten four times. Then he has a rematch between, you know, either Foe or Rusevori. I think, you know, Foe beat him at Labor Cup, but tossed that out in exhibition. I, I think that his intensity will, will be a little bit different, even though, like I said, Foe is a guy I looked at back. I, I think I still look at Steph there and then ADM, Shapo, Runo, or Nori on the bottom. I think he can beat all those guys. So although mm-hmm. Nori did best him, uh, I think, in Acapulco, which I, I thought that was going to be a, a match in which Steph cared, but he was like doing tequila shots with uh, Feli Lopez and having the time of his life in doubles. So. So, but uh, yeah, yeah, I just think it's set up for Steph if he cares. It's on the table there. Uh, and then I would go, I would go Foe. Foe wants a title, man. This is a, a place to win a title. So if I had to rank, you know, the guys that I think could win this left, I think it's Steph, Foe, ADM for me. What do you guys think? I would throw Nori in probably over Alex Demonor is what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think in that battle of grinders I, I would probably favor Nori as well a bit. I think, again, Courtsby probably favors Demon Hour there, but I just don't think that Demon Hour 
is nearly as good at that. I'm going to annoy you to death until I have that sixth game in the second or third set kind of deal as, as Nori is. And I don't think he has any weapons to get through Nori. So I, I would probably lean towards Nori there as well. But to me, this is, this is Steph's tournament to lose at this point. The hurdle of like that tricky style that could bug him is out of the way. He's into the quarters. He's got a very winnable quarterfinal match against Emer stylistically. And like you said, a lot of the guys that would be contenders against him are in that other half. So it, he should really be making the final here. What do you guys think on the bottom half? Okay, let's say Chapo actually does end up beating ADM and then Nori gets through. I I would actually maybe look to back Chapo against Nori if he's a, a slight dog in that match. Uh, what do you think about that potential matchup? Still Nori. <laughs> uh yeah i don't know i just don't think chapo's got it i mean he's been playing better definitely but i mean nori's a very consistent player and the last tournament that he was in he was looking pretty damn good and then he had to back out because of covid assuming that didn't have any lingering effects i still gotta take nori there yeah i guess yes. my thought would be sorry sorry i guess my only thought would be like the points being quicker less chance for chapo to fuck up and i i want to back a, a big server and a guy who hits winners against Nori. That is a recipe for how to beat uh, Mr. Cam Nori. I think a lot of it for me would be dependent on how Cam looks on Friday. Just because he did not look that great against Aslan Kratz. So if he doesn't look great on Friday either, I'd probably tend to be like, yeah, Shapo would definitely be in contention there. Uh, but if he does kind of like look like he's shaking the rust off, I would think he's he's a little too steady for for Dennis. So I think it ultimately that's kind of, you know, watch the match on Friday, do the tape study and then let that kind of your price should be reflecting how he may look uh, is how I'd say it. I mean, that's for that's how I'd be handicapping it anyway. All right. Uh, and then if it's uh, ADM Nori, I, I would probably I would take a shot on ADM uh, as a dog. I think he would be the dog. In that matchup, it sounds like you guys would probably have Nori. All right. Well, I think we like Steph. We like Foe. We like ADM and Nori as uh, the guys that come out of there with Steph leading the way. Um, so, all right, let's move on to the next site. Next, we have ATP Antwerp, uh, the European Open in Antwerp, Belgium, another indoor hardcourt event. I'm loving the indoor hardcourt season. I, I have to say I, I quite enjoy it. I think Clay might be falling down on my list, man. I, think I, I was just going to say that uh, until it comes back. Exactly, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I usually hate on Clay all throughout the year. And then once it hits, I'm like, you know what, dude, this is a nice change of pace. And I, I really love the yeah. Clay season. But the points is, are longer. The shot making is cool. The spins, the slides. Oh, man, did you see that point? And then we all love Clay again. <laughs> yeah, I buy into all of it. Yeah, exactly. True. True. All right. Some recent champs of this event include Yannick Sinner, Ugo Umber, Andy Murray, Kyle Edmund, and Gasquet, who is still in the field. He won this in 2016. Uh, all right, guys, a big headline here. And uh, I think something that we, you know, as we go along here recording uh, these podcasts to, to round out the year, we, we got to start putting out some names to remember uh, come January going into next season. Uh, and this is definitely one big Dom Stricker comes in for us as a massive dog plus 250 against Bodic VDC coming out of the qualies into the main draw and Tuesday was one of the biggest dog days uh, of the year uh, across all three sites so everyone was cashing that day it was great but uh yeah Stricker man I I this kid is a hoss I love him I call them uh he's a, he's a part of the clean plate club I mean this kid is not leaving anything on his plate at, at dinner okay <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's got the serve and uh, indoor hardcore, I mean, whew, he's pretty good. He, I believe he's won a couple, uh, or at least one indoor uh, challenger event 
tends to be you know the surface that that he goes he has a win against chillage on his record last year was that clay i think that was that was altitude clay but wasn't that clay i think so geneva yeah but it was again altitude there which he also likes so john what do you think about big dom stricker here it's a very very talented raw but talented player he reminds me of jack draper a year or two ago i think they actually kind of came up around the same time. Uh, but Jack has really cleaned up his return game, his rally tolerance. He plays a lot more spin and loopy forehands now instead of trying to kill every shot. Dom hasn't made that next step. And it's why Jack Draper's the top 50 player and Dom's not. But that said, if you can get him into like Swiss indoor tournaments, I don't know if he's going to have a wild card in a basil. I'm sure he'll have at least a qualities wild card, I would think. But, you know, if you can get him in in these spots against these players where, again, because the market doesn't know who he is, you're going to find these outrageous numbers, these plus three and a half, plus fours with that serve is and that plus one forehand and the lefty game too. Like those big serves, booming serves into righty backhands can be so tough to return. And even if you do get them back, they're sitting in the service box for him to crush with his forehand. So I think when you can get the plus three and a half, plus fours, plus four and a half with him, like it's just going to be so profitable to... To hit those and just back him to hold serve a bunch unless he's playing like a nori or a Djokovic, right just pick your spot kind of deal super talented i happened to win that quarter 80 to 1 uh, mm. and it was really annoying because that quarter was weak as hell man you had like schwartzman was had the buy you had gofan you had the dutch kid bailey who is like super talented but he's a junior he hasn't played much professionally at all then obviously there was a the buy line where schwartzman went through so of the eight spots there seven players you had like Gasquet, who's old, Bodek van der Zanskop, who he had a chance to beat and he did beat. And it was like, if he just beat Gasquet, man, like Goffin is eminently beatable right now. He's so beatable. And and so is Schwartzman at this juncture in the season with their form. So I was like so pissed that he lost that tight, tight match to Gasquet. But uh, speaking of which, Gasquet, by the way, I like as a look on uh, on Friday, if this is out before that match happens. He's like plus 155 or 160 against Goffin, who barely beat a junior as a six and a half game favorite on an indoor hard court on the ATP tour. And then beat a Diego Schwartzman, who has lost five in a row and is one of the worst players on tour right now. I mean, I don't know how you make him a minus... 190 favorite there but uh, i'll be on gasquet for sure well you have i, I you have me convinced uh I, i'm gonna play gasquet I, I mean gasquet has been informed he's been, i mean if you follow tennis uh week to week uh he's he's there his name is there you know <laughs> um he just by the way he just jumped up right in front of my eyes from plus 155 to plus 171 oh my so, god like that- it's did he get hurt against Stricker? Like, is there something I missed in that tape study? Because I don't understand why Goffin is taking all this money when he's in horrible form. And the only players he's beaten are a kid that he was a six and a half game favorite against. That he didn't come close to covering. He needed three sets. And then Schwartzman, who's again, one of the most out of form players on tour. What are we basing this like massive valuation on Debbie Goffin on? I mean, I, I think it's just the, the home, the home favorite here. Home quarter. Works for me. Works for me. <laughs> I, I love, uh, I love the dog going the, the right way i guess uh <laughs> yeah uh that's awesome all right evans versus uh faa well actually well, quick notes here draper beats uh brooksby brooksby i mean if this kid pops up again just auto fade to me if, if he's a favorite uh draper obviously a great indoor player so i don't fault brooksby for losing but man this kid just not does not seem like he's got anything going on uh in his game right now and Did then you know draper Draper, sorry to cut in real quick, but dude, Draper's 23 and three this year on indoor hardcore. Granted, yeah, a lot of them were challengers. Yeah, dude, like now he's playing the ATP level in indoor hardcourts. It's 
not a surprise that yeah he just whooped on brooksby in that one yeah right and uh you know he was looking pretty good against hubie until his body kind of I, hubie had an mto too so i don't know what it was mm. what's going on there with that match but uh with draper too i just wanted to say that match against brooksby it was a bad day for the trap line and everyone on twitter's on this therefore i'm gonna fade it was a bad day for those crafts because a lot of people had posted draper everyone's like oh i don't know if i could take draper too many people are on him as if us betting on him has anything to do with the outcome <laughs> of that match well the short money must be on the other side i don't give a damn where other money is man like come on I mean, I, 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 I do buy into uh, to, to line movement, and I think you do too uh, a bit, but I thought that line stayed relatively flat. So I, I don't, you couldn't really, really read the... Canada plus 115. I couldn't believe it. Like, yeah. But I think he was only... I think they only moved from minus 105 to plus 115. So that's not even like that. Uh, it needs to be 30 cents for me to like really take my notice here. Although last night, I, I liked hatching off against Corda, and uh, I'm going to fade again in this next match uh, that we're coming up to talk about but uh hatched off moved from minus 130 to minus 145 right before serve and i was like oh that's that's not good <laughs> i was like i think i might be on the wrong side on that one shit uh, but I just liked, uh, you know, Court has been playing a lot. I thought, you know, Hatchoff might have some fresher legs and he has uh, an indoor resume. Certainly thought a serve would carry him a little bit more than it did. I don't know. He barely had any aces in that match. So that kind of sucked. Corda, yeah, stays hot, burns my pick. So, all right, well, I'm going to move on to, I'm, I'm, I'm taking Yoshi, dude. You can't beat him, join him. This guy has been on fire. And uh, he's running around the court, the road runner. If he's going to make Corda play a lot of balls, man, like Corda's, he's got to hit it out. It could be one of those matches where Corda could maybe even have more points, but still lose the match because this kid won't go away. And he's a pretty nice price too. I mean, this is a little silly. Yeah. Plus 155 uh, against Corda. I mean, no, not nah, dog. And y- Yoshi, I think is another guy who's won an indoor event on the challenger level level this year. I think he won Columbus. Yeah. That's a look I like a lot for tomorrow. John, I don't know if you have any thoughts. Mm, I have that tab open, and it's not because I want to back Corda. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I just, I'm staring at him like plus 160. Ah, if it was like plus 175, plus 180, the bet would have already been made. Plus 160 is close, and I kind of want to be like, if it's close, just let it go. I have high enough volume as it is. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to be adding on the marginal stuff, but I, I definitely think I'm with you there. It's, if you're not on Yoshi, I would I'd be passing. I'd hate to just throw a whole wrench in this whole thing, but I feel like I would take quarter in that spot. I'm like, but I'm still looking at these lines. It's like minus 185 money line for quarter. Like, no, I, I would not want to take that. And then I'm still looking at the game spread, which is three that minus 105 almost even money. Like still, I'm not even comfortable with that. Like the only thing I'd be comfortable taking is the money line, but the price is too heavy. I don't know. I'd just be looking at other matches at this point. Well, we have other matches to talk about, so let's do it. Uh, Hubie Hercash uh, is coming in at minus 240, uh, minus three game favorite against Dominic Team. Team was up 6-1 in the first set against Sarundalo. Everyone was like, oh my God, Team just keeps building on this great... <laughs> On this, on this great uh, end of year run he's going on, and then of course uh, he turns around and and loses one uh, six next set. Unbelievable uh, turn around in that match. Um, does gut it out, gets the win to to face Hubie here. But uh, yeah, I don't think team is all the way back by any means. Improving, improving for sure. But uh, if you had a, a team games ticket, man, you are you're upset. You're upset. Yeah. <laughs> to say the least what do you had a five game uh advantage coming out of set one i moved on hubie here and i have to say i kind of like the minus three 
against yeah. team. I do think a tiebreak is in play here, but I don't know, man. Like, Hubie is just indoor event. Team is a pretty good indoor player, you know, historically. I just like Hubie here. Anyone like the the plus 195 dog and team. I mean, I yeah. much would rather take this minus three Hercats bet than the freaking minus three quarter bet for sure. Uh, I saw that Hercats match against Draper and Hercats played really well despite dropping a set, which went to the tie break. But he had a pull out a variety of stuff for Draper. And then if you look at team, yeah, yeah, we know what team's done, but he's playing like a top 30 player at best so i mean i'm not gonna forget about that so minus three on her cats yeah that's where i'm sitting yeah i don't i think that the long third set here against sarundalo is a concern i don't trust him later into weeks as much still i still think he's he's playing every week and i think he planned to play every week to the end of the year just so he could build up you know some some stamina and that ability to to get back on tour and, and go through the physical rigors in 2023 and I, I just i don't trust as much later in the week and i certainly don't off of a three setter against sarundalo i don't think his return game is quite where it needs to be on a quick court and hubie has you know a bigger serve than he, anyone he's played outside of rublev who beat him four and four in relatively comfortable fashion in Spain, Antwerp, very quick conditions against one of the better quick quarters in the world in Hubie, big serve, much tougher than, you know, Souza, Jerome, Serundolo, Gears, Serundolo again. These are the guys that team has beat. He lost to Chilich by five games and he lost to Rublev by four. Which category is Hubie closer to? If you want to talk about like corollaries, he's much closer to Rublev and Chilich than he is to like Dolo and Jerome and Zrao Sosa. Right. So I definitely 100% agree with you. If you're going to play a side there, it would, it would probably, it would have to be Hubie for me. On the bottom half here, uh, we have uh, the two seed Felix taking on Dan Evans. Uh, these guys have played twice, uh, both times in Australia. They, they split their head to head. Evans won a title against FAA at the Murray River 250 right before the 2021 Australian Open. FAA beat Evans at the Australian Open this year. Evans been playing a lot. Felix coming off uh, another title. You want another title, folks? That's two this year. I think this kid is in line to win a third this week. I mean, and you know, there's no, you can't really fatigue or travel fade, right? Like he had a buy, I think, at both events for his, for the first round. So he only had to win four matches last week. It's indoors where points are shorter. He only lost one set, had four days between his last match in Florence and his first match in Antwerp. Like it's tough to fade at this point. Yeah. I mean, Evans, you know, I think is a, you know, a crafty player that could certainly give him um, some trouble and maybe the over is a look because um, FAA, you know, it's consistency uh, goes away at, at times and he can lose sets. But I do think, you know, with his serve and these conditions, uh, he's got a pretty significant advantage. Yeah. Uh, the field's a little tougher this week for him. I took a future on him last week at like plus 250 in probably the second round. Field was pretty damn watered down there. So I felt like he was able to cruise through that for this one. I mean, he's, Basically, only got what her cat's in the way. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's, if he beats Evans, he's going to play the winner of Goffin and Gasquet. So I, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And this is this that, is basically his semifinal, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Like the only thing stopping him from beating Evans is the possibility of fatigue. And if you don't think that's in play, then take Fay Leaks. I got Hubie uh, FAA 
and I got FAA winning it. You know, Hubie with these servers, I mean, he's been on record. He just guesses where the ball is going to go. And he seems to have a pretty good, you know, record with guessing right. <laughs> but it doesn't instill confidence in me that he's literally just like, ah, I'm guessing out there. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think that FAA, you know, has a little bit more variety and I don't know, just a little more tennis IQ, uh, even if he do- doesn't always come through on the day. I think he's a, a more well-rounded player than Hubie. Better um, mover too, right? Like, I think he's just, he's got better movement to get around the court than, than Hubie does. So I got, now, F- no, sorry, that said, that said, if that does happen, and I, I agree with you, I think it will, I want to see the first set tiebreak price. If it's anything over plus 160, plus 175, anywhere in that area, um, I have it. I have it lined 40% of the time. So plus 150. If it's in that, anything above that mm. plus 170 area, uh, I think it's worth a shot betting on tiebreak. Yes, or over 12 and a half, whatever your book listed is. If that final were to happen. For sure. And I actually think we might get a, a nice price on FAA either as a short favorite or even potentially a dog in this matchup, depending on how the books price Hubie, who I think they'll, they'll like here on these indoor conditions. Because I think they'll probably think, you know, people will chase Hubie more. Uh, as the favorite versus uh, Felix. I don't know. Just thinking about how, how to book that. So, yeah, I got FAA, and then Hubie would be my next pick to win this thing. And then FFINO, I'll tell you that. All right, guys. Well, we have one last stop. What I deem the fire Festival of tennis tournaments uh, in Naples, Italy, uh, <laughs> the Tennis Napoli Cup. Oh, my God. This is making headlines for all the wrong reasons. Players' feet are making imprints like it's the walk of fame like a tennis horror movie directed by m9 Shyamalan. the court is alive eating <laughs> the player's feet this is crazy they had to stop i think i don't know i think they stopped play today because it was just getting too late because they had to make up you know all the almost all the matches from yesterday but matches getting played and the disaster is a real headline so far john i i feel like you have some thoughts on this that i'd love uh you to share i just think that you know a lot of times if you have the money and well, we're not going to go to China because of the COVID zero pause, zero whatever the policy is. And uh, there's too many hoops to jump through. So we got to find replacement tournaments. I feel like if, if anyone has the money and the location, they just hand the license out. Well, this is kind of a good indicator that, Hey, you know, maybe you should go and have them, you know, do some due diligence here. Like, is this venue ready to play on? Like, can they prove it'll be like, cause this was a mess. From the courts not being ready to busting people out to another venue to condensation because they're close to the sea, condensation on the court at night, which is causing them to stop early, even when the courts are ready to play on. It's like then you got fans outside screaming at tournament directors because they thought they were paying for something and didn't get as much as they thought they would. It's just a gong show. And, you know, before you hand out these temporary licenses, make sure the group you're handing them out to, like, knows what the f- they're doing. That's the big takeaway here. For me, anyway. Yeah, I think uh, the Bet Rivers, the game uh, bet match pod, the Sean Calvert, he was there for the qualities to get a sense. Oh, yeah. The qualities was canceled. He was like, I have no idea what's going to go on. (laughs) Um, I mean, it it seemed like it uh, really kind of came out, you know, it was a surprise, which is like, how do you not know this is going to happen? I guess the rain, you know, because they moved the courts over from Florence to cover these traditionally clay courts i believe and so they got waterlogged so that's how the what's going on but uh yeah this is a nightmare scenario um for a tennis tournament uh but uh some other notes besides the disaster uh john's boy pedro kachin beats manorino adding to his hardcore resume we're keeping an eye on him uh come january because he's going to probably be in the field for uh, you know a couple of these events before the ao 
might be some matches that he could win. Certainly after the uh, was indoor hardcore events after that. So definitely looking uh, to back a team in some spots. And then uh, Nudo Borges beats Ramos. That's a slight dog, another name to watch out for in January. He got steamed up to from minus 110 to minus 140 today against Galan. Galan wins. So the 30 cent steam, I think, is still something to watch out for. Uh, if, if it's if the train is off the tracks, maybe you're on the wrong side. But then I, we talked about Baez uh, going from the wheelchair to the winner's, winner's circle, uh, beating Sonega, <laughs> ultimate regret not playing that one. Just bet against Sonega on hard courts, even if they're cockamamie hard courts where people's uh, feet get uh, eaten by them. <laughs> and then Berrettini actually did something and he covered against Darcy B. And I'll cut to the chase. Uh, I mean, is this, this this seems like an event built for Matteo Berrettini to win. Not a tough uh, road here for Berrettini. He's got Terry Daniel next. I, I think he's going to beat him. Then he's got to play the winner of Zhang or Mackie. I think he's probably going to beat either of those guys. And he's in the final. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, do we have some prices up for this? Plus 490 on uh, tarot. Oof. I go that way because I don't know the conversion of 1.17. That's minus four. Minus five something, minus six something for Berrettini. Uh, spread at four and a half, juice to Berrettini. No, spread is four and a half is about a pick em, So standard pricing on that. And the over-under is set at 20 and a half. Ooh, I like the under on that one. I think he could win this. I mean, six, yeah, three. if you think he finds a break in, finds a break in each set, off you go. Six, three, six, four, six, four, six, four. I, I think after last week's, uh, whatever that was, I think Berrettini's a little bit more motivated. And, uh, it, you know, I think he wants to uh, put on a show here for the home crowd. The crowd, surprisingly, the the crowd is pretty good. They've been hanging in. Uh, I don't know if anyone's watching the matches, but, um, you know, they're, they're a lively crowd. Um, they, they definitely have a side they're going for. It's, it, I think that's part of what we mentioned. This has been a kind of a fun week that, you know, it, it, the crowd's been good here and it's been fun to watch. Busta versus uh, Kashmanovic uh, is at the at the other side. I'm going all over here. Let's go to the top, top half here. I kind of like Kashmanovic against Busta. I don't know why. That's a, a pure gut call. It's mainly just, I want to fade Busta. I, he's a player I like to fade and... God, I also like to fade Kashmanovich, though. <laughs> Maybe I don't know what I think about this match. What, what are you guys at? <laughs> so you like fading uh, Busta more than Kashmanovich. I got nothing against that. You don't want to fade uh, Busta against Bonini? That match has already kind of started, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's love. Shit, I forgot. I, had, I already moved on Busta. Shit. I mean, it's probably not the worst it, idea to just move no. Busta on at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Fonini, even in his home country, when you screw with him this much scheduling wise, part of the reason I bet Kachin too, like I knew Manorino would hate, he had to play doubles that day at a different venue too. You knew guys like that just don't have patience for this kind of crap. If, if Fonini comes back, I'd be stunned. At this point, I feel yeah, like yeah. it will be Busta versus Kachmanovic. Yeah, no, definitely. And dude, Kachmanovic, I did watch that Mute match against him. But honestly, going back to Mute though, that guy is always bitching about something. This is the first time I've ever actually seen something warranted that he was bitching about, which was him slipping all over the court. Kekmanovic even had his side on that one, too. So are they playing on these same crappy courts tomorrow? Yeah, all week. Yeah, this is their, oh, yeah. This is their venue. Okay, I don't know. I mean, the courts, like the courts aren't so bad now. They're not so bad. It's now they're ending early because once it the gets dark, and the sea is close. The condensation gets on the yeah. court. They can't play because it's too slippery. So there's multiple f issues with this uh, with this tournament. Like, it's not just the the court repaving. It's also the proximity to the sea is kind of screwing with it. It's just a brutal mm. kind of situation. Yeah, I did read about the sea condensation being a big issue. 
it's the yeah. do. It's they're they're suspending play due to do. Yeah, they did, <laughs> they did the do. Got it. You got to do the do. Dude, they're mm-hmm. doing the do. Oh, Musetti versus Galan. I kind of wish Musetti wasn't a three and a half game favorite, and because uh, I really want to back Musetti here, and it looks like it's going to hit four because it's already at minus one thirty for minus three and a half. I, I'm starting to believe Musetti's pretty good, <laughs> which which scares me because I don't. I. I, I'm starting to believe it. I'm not there yet. Um, I, I do think that, um, John, you mentioned you have a, a quarter ticket on him. Yeah, I'm just ugh, this kid, man. When I fade him on indoor courts, he just rips through. And then I look at his quarter here and this I had him winning this quarter literally half the time because he had a buy. Right. That's also something you got to keep in mind. He only had to win two matches to win the quarter. So when I see that, I think, you know, I look at the players in his quarter, a lot of very few players who have a ton of pace and a huge serve to rush his backhand wing, that one-handed backhand. If you can't rush that, he's so freaking good. He's got a big serve. He holds at 50 or 70%. He wins over 50% of his second serve points, over 70% of his first serve points on hard courts. Those are like very, very strong metrics underlying for him on hard courts. The only concern is from the baseline, can you rush his backhand? If you can't do that, you're in trouble. Long story short, there's not enough guys, long story long, I guess, by this point, but (laughs) there's not enough guys in this quarter who can rush that backhand. So I thought plus 160, that is way off. So I have that. Now, of course, when I fade him wins, and now that I'm backing him to win this quarter, he's going to probably lose as like a minus, I think 300 uh, favorite against Galan. Like I could just, I I, I just know he's going to lose this match now. <laughs> like, he, he should never lose this match, but I just, I have that gut feeling. that's like, oh boy, going to get Musetti again. Yeah. I mean, Musetti's what ranked in the top 30 I mean, he's a pretty good player. The thing is, is one thing I always talk about on this podcast is consistency. And that's the only reason why we always like have a question mark next to Musetti. And that's why you kind of like love him and hate him too. It's like he goes on and he, he plays freaking great. And then you put money on him and then that's when his greatness stops. I don't know. So then you're always left with a question mark at the end. I will say uh, Musetti to win 2-0 in straights is only minus 115. That's pretty good value considering it's a three and a half game favorite I and mean, it's about to be four games so i mean you can kind of get out of i mean is he going to cover four games dropping a set if i uh, hedge i mean the nice thing about that is instead of hedging the money line with it would be cheaper to just hedge the money line with the line but yeah. if you hedge with the plus four you could get really greedy right and like you could hope for <laughs> Muzetti to win by three and then cash both like there's different, but that would require a larger stake. I mean, I could throw down a very small stake to cover my outright stake and then be free rolling on the Muzetti quarter. So there's different ways to approach it. What do you think about Zhang versus uh, Mackey? This will be the last match we talk about before we get out of here. But uh, I, I Zhang lost uh, to, to Italian, was it Passero or something like that? But he's had an overall really good year on hardcore, uh, mostly on the challenger circuit here Mackey has been beatable now he's in a good spot this week he's got a couple w's and uh, i think these hard courts are, are playing into a style a bit but at minus 180 i mean i don't know that i am like super thrilled to to, to play Mackey at a minus 180 money line two and a half is a line now that that i could maybe get behind but uh, zhang seems like he could be kind of live here at plus 150 yeah, and it's up to plus 155 now, and it's going further and further. And again, another quarter ticket I have, this one at 16 to 1. 
Um, tomorrow in Napoli, I just I feel like I don't need to bet much because I've got two nice big tickets uh, from the outright perspective going. So I've got Zhang to win this quarter because again, a very a relatively weak quarter, and he has been very good in good form. He's got he's added aggression to his game, which he's needed. He actually did better on clay, even though like players from that region of the world in general, there aren't many clay courts in China, in South Korea, in Japan. They're primarily hard quarters, but he started to have more success on clay because he's got a very consistent baseline game. Then he started adding, you know, a lot of aggression to that forehand, starting to rip those forehands. He'd be, you know, he started to find success on hard courts as a result, um, you know, especially indoors. So I don't know if Mackie's got enough to hit through him. And I think he has the consistency and a enough aggression when he sees an opening with space to beat Mackie. And if this price gets out to like plus 165, plus 170, it's like, oh, I'm going to want to double down. And I like, I don't want to double down on this. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I want to, but if it gets to a certain point, it's like, you know, that, that voice in the back of your head is like, dude, you can't pass up on a, on a valuable line just because you've got an outright ticket. It's a totally different market. So I don't know. It's going to be tough. I'm just hoping it sticks at plus 150, plus 155 so I can sit on my hands. Yeah. I'm just asking in terms of like betting strategy. So you have a 16 to one ticket for Zhang to win tomorrow's quarter. Are you hedging right. or what? No, because it's, it's again, it's like, it's like a quarter unit or two tenths of a unit. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's just, there's not a ton of room to do that. Uh, and it's like such a small loss to me. I, I just don't mind. Plus I, I, I won't hedge unless I see value on the other side. So if, if this was uh, Zhang actually opened plus 135, I really considered Mackie there because if I see value on Mackie's money line, then I'll do it because then I believe I have a plus EV position on both sides, but I'm not going to stake out a, a a minus what I what my numbers tell me is a minus EV position just to secure profit. I know that's a controversial topic, and there's people different people have different opinions. But for me, no, I like I'm just going to leave it because at this point, the value on Mackie's gone. Yeah, definitely. Like when I laid down that plus one thousand bet on Tiapo today, it's like I only ended up winning two units, but like just the bet initially was just too small just to even hedge in that third set. So now I'm with you on that. That's interesting. All right. Well, I think I have it. Uh, Mateo, Kashmanovic, Musetti, Busta for me uh, in terms of who I think is going to win this thing. And then in that order, Busta pr will probably make shove it in my face and win this thing now. I would I say I would say Berrettini. And then if Berrettini somehow is out, then Musetti becomes my favorite. But if Musetti and Berrettini are both there, I just don't think there's any chance that backhand holds up against Berrettini. Yeah, I would take Berrettini. Of course. And on the top, I, I would risk Kekmanovic. There we go. All right, boys. Well, uh, you know, we're back this week. Uh, it feels good. Uh, we're going to have a pot out. Uh, let's not uh, leave them uh, you know, long again. It was only one week. I wasn't leaving them too long, but certainly uh, hope to be back next week. Uh, if you do like this podcast, uh, maybe, you know, if you don't want to take the time for a review, give us a rating. Let's get the ratings going on any of your platforms that you're listening to this little podcast that could on. Give us a shout out, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. They say in the content creating world, I think we've said it all. And uh, until next time, see you in the court.